All right, welcome to Run Past the Brain Cell, episode four. And Jake, we're through week two of the NFL season, the start of week three. How are we feeling so far? Feeling pretty good. Both of our teams are one and one. And I mean, Geno Smith bouncing back in week two, good for your team. And like we talked before we started, Lions and Seahawks is always a high high point scoring game for whatever reason. I don't get that rivalry with those two. And Jordan Love is leading the league in passer rating. Did not see that coming. So <laughs> we're, both our teams are doing pretty good. So I think we're doing pretty good, decent. I think so too. And yeah, I definitely wouldn't have expected Jordan Love to be leading the league in passer rating. And I'll be honest, I would have loved to have seen him keep going if only that receiver hadn't dropped that pass because I I think he could have made a comeback and you're right. I don't know what it is about Lions Seahawks. It seems like every game, the minimum, like the over under should, it might as well be 70 because it seems like they're both going to hit 30 to 35 points every game. So I agree. I don't get it. It's a weird rivalry, but I'm all for it. Give it, give it to us again next year. I'll absolutely watch it. But overall, week two in the books, week three on the way. We've already had one game with Thursday Night Football. But before we get to that, let's take a look at our Eyes on 5 recap for week two. And Jake, why don't we start with your first game? My first game was the Ravens and Bengals. The Bengals played like crap for the first half. And they like, oh, hey, we actually have an offense in the second half. And even with the litany of injuries that the Ravens have, Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson. He didn't get a rushing touchdown, but he still got 54 yards and about a 75% completion percentage and two touchdowns with no picks. And Zay Flowers is looking like the future number one for the Ravens, in my opinion. He had that one massive chunk play for them early on to move the chains and it led to a touchdown. Their defense, they didn't play amazing, but they played good enough to stop a potential top five offense to 24 points. And we saw a, a rare Jadavian Clowney sack. So, I mean, can't really complain about that. We really need to talk about what is going on with Burrow. I think that his, his injury in his leg is being downplayed a little too much. And I think that... Jamar Chase said it best. He should not have played the first two weeks because he wants his buddy to be 100%. I absolutely agree. And we saw towards the end of that game that he was visibly limping on that calf injury. And I I don't know what it is with the Bengals last year and now this year with slow starts. Burrow hasn't had an offseason either year. And I don't, I don't know. I am worried about the Bengals. I really am because the running game is intermittent at best. And T Higgins, he had a fantastic game. Jamar Chase might as well have been a decoy with how T Higgins popped off with two touchdowns. But I think the bigger story here is with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, because you think about it, 24, 33, 237 and two touchdowns a fantastic stat line but they still had 178 yards rushing and they are far more balanced. And we even had a, ran, a rare, very rare Nelson Aguilar touchdown catch. That's mind boggling to me. 
And I think this Ravens defense is a lot better than we thought heading in. They only got one sack, but Burrow was pressured quite a bit. I mean, he only got sacked once again, but he did get hit six times. And I think that they, I don't think Burrow's playing next week, Jake. I really don't. And I don't think he should because like Jamar Chase had said, he should have sat out the first two weeks. Now it's visibly obvious that that's the case. Agreed. If the Bengals were smart and Zach Taylor were smart, they'd let Burrow sit for a week or two. Because the last thing you need is, okay, if you miss the playoffs, you miss the playoffs. But if Burrow takes another ACL injury, ooh, I don't like that. I sure don't either, because the last thing we want is another star quarterback going down. We've already had one with Rodgers. We definitely don't want to have another. But moving forward to my first game that I had my eyes on, Raiders-Bills. And I said straight up, I wanted to see if they could get a run game going. I, I straight up said they needed to run the ball. That's what I told you, Jake. If they can run the ball and play a more balanced game, you're going to see less turnovers from Josh Allen, less hero ball, and I'd say 35 rushes for 183 yards and a couple touchdowns. That's about as good as you're going to get. And Josh Allen, he threw the ball 37 times, so it was a very nice bounce, 274 for three touchdowns. This is the Josh Allen that most people expect to see because he has this ability easily. He, in my opinion, is probably the most physically talented quarterback outside of maybe, I don't know, Anthony Richardson. And Anthony Richardson can't throw the ball like Josh Allen. I think that the Bills did exactly what they were supposed to do against a honestly pretty crappy Las Vegas Raiders team. Garoppolo just looked like a bum. I mean, you can't, he was dink and dunk. You can't throw two picks against a good defense. Devontae Adams, he played okay, but outside of Devontae Adams, I don't, I think the Raiders are going to be, they're going to be in a quarterback sweepstakes. I don't, I just don't know which one because I don't see them getting Caleb Williams. I don't see them beating the Cardinals, but Jake, is this the bills that we're going to see all year? Because if this is, then I really like their odds of winning the division. I still have the Dolphins, but if this Bills shows up, we're going to have... It's going to be a competition. I couldn't agree more. And the thing that I love the most, because we talked about this last week, how you have to get a run game going that is not just Josh Allen. Allen only ran it three times. I love seeing a combined 30 carries between three running backs. James Cook getting 17 for 123. Damian Harris getting that pounding... The Rock touchdown and Latavius Murray getting another touchdown and being effective in both the pass and the run game. I think that this defense showed out. They showed like, hey, we're the goddamn Bills. We're going to play defense and we're going to kick your ass. And Matt Milano showed why you don't throw to Matt Milano. You think teams would learn since... In my opinion, pound for pound, he is the best coverage linebacker in the league. And I think he's, even though he has an all pro on his name, he's still under, I think he's still extremely underrated. He does not get talked about in the media like he should. With the Raiders, Jimmy Garoppolo, two thirds for the completion percentage. The two interceptions were pretty ugly. You did have some good rushing from Zamir White and Trey Tucker. The thing that I was surprised about was Josh Jacobs. 
Nine attempts for negative two yards. I get it's the Bills' defense. Their run D is like top five in the league right now. But still, you're talking about a guy who led the league in rushing last year. Devontae Adams doing Devontae Adams things. Almost 100 yards and a touchdown. The thing I'm worried about, he might be out this current week. I believe on concussion. Oh. But, yeah. The one thing that I... Raiders fans, there is one upside to your defense. You have two legit linebackers, in my opinion. I love Robert Spillane. He's a missile coming up right on that B or A gap. Got a sack that way. And one of arguably the best names in football, Divine Diablo. 10 10 total tackles and a sack as well. He's really starting to come along, moving from that safety spot from college to linebacker as an outside backer. And he's kind of blossoming into a really good all-around outside linebacker. Indeed, he's playing very well. And to go back to your point on Josh Jacobs, yeah, nine carries for negative two yards. That shows me that the holdout is definitely affecting him. And the fact that he would have had more yards if he had continued to hold out, that's awful. You can't have it. Now, granted, they only ran the ball 15 times, so not too much you can do. But after leading the league and rushing, you can't have negative two yards for the end of a stat line. And I was just looking at the injury report. I didn't see anything about Devontae Adams. He's not in their injuries. So that's a positive, at least from what I was seeing. Though, if you do lose him, that's going to make things really difficult because then you can try and bracket Hunter Renfro. And I don't trust anyone else on that Raiders wide receiver core. I don't know about you, but there's not... There's not a whole lot there. I mean, Michael Mayer, you know, the rookie, he's solid, but he's a rookie. Austin Hooper, I don't think that inspires any confidence, and definitely not Amir Abdullah. But, Jake, going to your second game, you had... You Dolphins had the, and Patriots. Yeah, you had the Dolphins and Patriots. So, what are your thoughts on that game? I think if Bill Pelcheck wasn't a defensive mastermind, this game would not have been as close. You did your job holding Devontae, not Devontae, wrong team, to holding Tyree Kill to only 40 yards. You did give up a touchdown, but it, was, it wasn't a deep one at least. Jalen Waddle definitely was the, the big dog in this one because they were bracketing coverage to Hill more than Waddle. Tua played pretty good. 70% completion rate, almost 250 yards. The pick was a little ugly, but I think... That when you're going against a Belichick defense, even the best quarterbacks in the league are going to throw a a wayward interception because of how he does his blitz schemes. Raheem Mostert kind of showing up as his newly minted 30-year-old. 18 carries, 121 yards, and two rushing touchdowns. I did not expect him to do as good as he did, but hey, I love being proved wrong by one of my favorite running backs. The defense for the Dolphins did really good. Mac Jones... Oh, he threw 42 times, but 75% completion rating almost. 231 yards, touchdown and a pick. He did have some, in my opinion, he actually showed off his legs a little bit. Five attempts for 25 yards. He's shown that he can move. I think the big thing we need to talk about is Christian Gonzalez getting his first pick in his rookie career. He locked people down. When he went against Tyreek Hill, he only gave up, I believe, two catches for 11 yards. The Rook had a day, and I was very impressed. I was too, 
And I thought that on that pick, I will say this, Tyree Kill does have to come back a little bit for that ball because you know that you have to know that Tua's arm isn't the strongest. It's not Mahomes, it's not Allen, it's not Herbert. But I want to give a little bit more credit though to Christian Gonzalez, mainly because of the fact that if you watch that interception, he high pointed the ball really well and blocked out Tyree Kill so he couldn't come back. And I thought that was very big. My thoughts mainly were with Miami, though. New England is what they are. There's a reason you and I both picked them for fourth place in the division. There's just not a ton of talent on this team. I mean, Ramondre Stevenson, he had a nice little day of 15 carries for 50 yards because this Miami defense, this rushing game, after what they showed off at Los Angeles against the Chargers, they cleaned it up massively. You did not have... 200 yards rushing you only gave up 88 rushing yards in total which i think is fantastic and what i think miami really showed though is they can win multiple ways because they can win with Tua going bombs away but they can run the ball really well they ran 30 times in total for 145 yards and raheem moster on that run it was it was easy he i've never seen a 30-year-old running back like Raheem Mostert basically get a he basically got a runway to the end zone because there wasn't anyone within like two yards of him. It was just so easy. Miami moved the ball pretty well. The only thing that I thought that they have to clean up is these fumbled snaps with Tua. I think that that's something that they have to work on in practice because you can't have that in a big game. And then not only that, you did give up five sacks or you only gave up one sack, sorry, five tackles for loss. So that shows they were getting at least good penetration somewhat. But overall, I think this is just establishing Miami as a Super Bowl contender, like we talked about last episode with our Hive Mind segment, because at this point, they've shown that they can win in a shootout, but they can also grind it out. And that has to be noted. That has to be something to keep an eye on as we move further into the season because we are only two weeks in. But going into my second game, I had Jets-Cowboys. And, <laughs> well, I I tried to be optimistic for the Jets. I tried to give them a chance. I gave them a bit of false hope. And it didn't matter. Zach Wilson played, honestly, what I think everyone thought he would he threw three picks he got sacked three times that defense that Cowboys defense was basically living in that backfield and I thought what was really bad is that he got sacked three or yeah he got sacked three times and he also got hit five more but there were so many times where I thought that they were just kind of dropping back too much and you can see with it he had he had under 50% and they didn't even try to run the ball. Now, I thought obviously they should try and run the ball a little bit more, but outside of a Garrett Wilson slant route that he took 68 yards, this team was just stifled. They could not move the ball. I know if Trayvon Diggs makes that interception, it's going to go back for six or sorry, Sauce Gardner. We'll get to Trayvon Diggs in a moment, but I think that is 
if Sauce makes that pick, it might have been a closer game. But this Cowboys team, as much as I hate to say it, now granted, I'm not going to get too hyperbolic because they've played the Giants and the Jets, which are uninspiring at best. But this Cowboys team is looking solid, Jake. And they ran the ball 44 times. That I really like because you're not forcing Dak to take unnecessary shots down the field. They have simplified it. It is a little conservative. And I do think that when they play teams that can actually press them on the scoreboard, we'll see how Dak holds up because he did almost throw that pick six to Sauce Gardner. But CeeDee Lamb, 11 catches for 143 yards. He was uncoverable. And Micah Parsons, he's showing why he has a chance for MVP. I'm not going to say that he's going to win MVP, but two sacks, four quarterback hits, and he had that forced fumble just ripping that ball out of Dalvin Cook's hands. Jake, this, this Cowboys team, much as I hate to say it, I think they have to be, you have to keep an eye on them in this NFC. I couldn't agree more in the NFC. Like I said, they were my team to win the division, and they're kind of showing why. Dak is playing smart and efficient. He's not throwing for a ton of yards, but 31 for 38, 255 and two touchdowns, you can win with that. Especially when you have a defense that has Micah Parsons and the pass rushing that they do and the cornerback duo. Now, unfortunately, Trayvon Diggs is out for the rest of the year on an ACL injury. But I think if you didn't have Stephon Gilmore, there'd be a bit more reason to panic. I think Gilmore can lock it down. That pass rush is definitely going to have to play lights out now. Because you lost, a, in my opinion, a top five cornerback in the league. He was giving up a one passer rating. If you spike the ball, it's what, 37, 36? I think so. I think so. Yeah. You would be better off spiking the ball than throwing a Trayvon Diggs with a one passer rating. The best a passer rating could be is a 158.3, I think. Yes. He is doing a lot better than that. Zach Wilson, uh, when he's your leading rusher by 27 yards, I don't like that. Brees Hall, 4 for 9. Michael Carter, 2 for 8. Dalvin Cook, 4 for 7. You haven't had a defensive player do a run. Ashton Davis, their backup free safety. On a fake punt. Yeah, which, hey, the kid's a former track star. He has legit 4-3 speed. I, I'm okay with that. The only highlight you really have to go on is Garrett Wilson being Garrett Wilson for two receptions and 83 yards in that potential catch of the year type highlight reel he had. Besides that, um... Jets fans, at least it's you don't be a have long to pay year. A... Yes, but at least think about it this way, Jets fans. If you do suck enough to fall into a Drake May, you're not getting Caleb Williams. If you fall into a Drake May, you don't have you have your first round pick because Rodgers is injured. Yeah, and... that... <laughs> so... that's our only optimism I... right now, Jake. It's not the greatest optimism, but. There's at least a, a little tiny minuscule light at the end of the tunnel for them. I, I know. It, it's it's sad because I know, I mean, we both had them for third, but this is not how I thought they would get to third. I at least thought that, you know, Rodgers would play well 
And because of the division, because of Miami and Buffalo, they could at least, you know, finish nine and eight. Now I'm just hoping that they, you know, win, what, five games? Hopefully. I'd say and, six. But, <laughs> but, I mean, I think also on a more serious note, yes, Trayvon Diggs getting injured. I hate when players get injured in practice, especially DBs. I have a soft spot for corners and safeties. Because you do a play, you, you know, you run drills thousands of times and all it takes is one and you're just gone for the year. I think it's devastating. Now they're playing the Cardinals next week, this upcoming week, Jake. And I, I don't think that that's a team you have to worry about. But I think you have to be more focused on the quarterbacks that you will be facing moving into the schedule and then our final game for our eyes on five was monday night football the second game browns steelers final score of 26 22 steelers win it and i told you that jake that i if you had forced me to take a team here i would have taken pittsburgh plus two and a half because i did not trust deshaun watson mainly that's what it came down to and he definitely showed why you shouldn't trust him because he went 22 of 40 for 235 a touchdown and a pick but that pick went for six and he also got sacked six times and not to mention he also got stripped and that that scoop and score that was a scoop and score TJ Watt picks it up and runs it in for a touchdown. So he gave up two touchdowns while only scoring one. You're not going to mm -hmm. find me being sad. If anything, it should have been him that tore his AC or broke his leg rather than Nick Chubb, which Nick Chubb, unfortunately, is out for the year. Th that injury, that injury made me want to vomit. You, It made me like squirm a little bit because... Oh, his leg just snapped. Don't and, watch the replay, folks. Just yeah, don't look yourself. it up. Don't look it up, especially because it's one of those things that there is not a more likable and more respected player at the running back position than Nick Chubb. He doesn't say anything. He is full-on silent assassin. I've always thought it's funny when they mic him up because you don't hear anything. If you were to plug it into an Audacity, like into Audacity sound software, the the volume would just be a line. It would just be dead silent. I love Nick Chubb. Obviously, he's just he's a good running back. He's just lunch pill guy. Jake, you have him on your fantasy team. I felt for you because that was just a brutal loss. But I just hope that Nick Chubb can recover because it's one of those things that you just hate to see good dudes like that get injured where you have scumbags like Deshaun Watson, who's making 230 million while basically playing like Walmart Mason Rudolph. Now, Amari Cooper had a good game. He seven catches for 90 yards. He played OK. Uh, Jerome Ford, he came in admirably after Chubb's injury. And <sighs> my thoughts more on the Steelers, though. Kenny Pickett needs to play better. He had a 50% completion percentage, a touchdown, and a pick. Y you can't have that. He has to play better. I look at this Steelers team, Jake, and I think you had them winning this division. I did. 
they need to have they need to figure out this running game and this they they have to figure this out because Najee Harris ran the ball 10 times for 43 yards. Now, I understand Cleveland's defense. They're very good. I'm not going to say that they're not very good. We had a George Pickens sighting, four catches, 127, and a touchdown. That's huge. you got to have those. But I think that when I look at the Steelers, Jake, this defense can only carry them so far. Now, when you get six sacks and 11 quarterback hits, that's fantastic. You'll take that all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. But, Jake, how confident are you in these Steelers after a performance like this where, yeah, you won, but you won basically because of two scooping scores or two defensive touchdowns? So, we really saw what happened without Cam Hayward being on the field because... Chubb and Jerome Ford ran for a total of 170 on only 26 carries. When your when your defense scores more points than your offense, the Steelers defense did phenomenal. They scored 14 points, but the Steelers offense only scored 12. Kenny Pickett really needs to figure his shit out. Only a 50% completion percentage. Ooh, I don't like that. Pickens was being Pickens, and he's showing that he could have been the best receiver or the first receiver taken off the board in last year's draft. Najee and Jalen Warren. They really need to figure out this run game because I think Pickett's going to take a little longer to figure stuff out. I love the Warren and Najee Harris combo, but it's not helping him at this moment. Their defense, amazing. Alex Highsmith had a sack. I think he even had a forced fumble and the pick six do everything uh, yeah pretty much tj watt doing tj watt things does not surprise me i really like seeing demarvin Leal and larry Ogunjobi kind of step up in that in the middle of their interior and showing like hey we may not be great at stopping the run like cam hayward but we can at least rush the passer to some extent like hayward does at least you have some backups to fill in for Hayward in that rotation because their defensive tackle rotation is deep. The the Browns, I think, the if I had to say three things to look forward to, Jerome Ford played really good. He showed that he can catch the ball at Trimrill. He got a receiving touchdown. Sion Takitaki coming out and playing pretty good. Didn't play a lot, but he had flashes. The thing that I loved, I think Grant Telpitz finally arrived. That was a hell of an interception from him. Besides that, I really don't have much to say about this game. I'm not super confident on the Steelers anymore, but when I pick a team to win the division, I ride or die with it. And I'm sinking right now, but let's hope I can come back with some floaties. Yeah, and I, I respect it because I also, when, when it comes to my picks, I'm not going to shy away from them because you can't, you can't. And so I think what I look at though, Jake, when I'm looking at this, I think what's going to be really interesting is this upcoming week. I don't have their schedule up, Jake, but I believe that they are playing the, the they're playing the Bears, the Bears, the Steelers. Yeah, no. Oh, no, they're, they're playing, playing the Raiders. Raiders. Yeah, the Raiders. That's right. My bad, because isn't that I think that's the Sunday night game. But yes, they're playing the Raiders, so it's basically two bad teams, in my opinion, against two bad teams. 
Or, well, it's one bad team versus one bad team. and At least one has a defense. Yeah. Well, the other one has players, but yeah, one has a defense. But, Jake, moving away from our eyes on five, I'd say the news of the week that I saw a lot of, I don't know about you, Justin Fields and the Bears, just as a whole. And the big news was Justin Fields supposedly calling out the Bears coaching. I look at that. I, I, I heard the quote. I heard the audio. And I didn't think it was all that incendiary because, granted, he's young. He's going to say stupid things. That's just, It's what young people do. I mean... Jake, you and I are not very old, so obviously we're, we're, we say some stupid things too. But I think what I look at, though, Jake, is you if you look at some of the tape, you have these just awful, awful instances where guys are wide open and he's just not seeing them. And so when I look at things like that, I, Justin Fields looks like he's regressed. I, I, I think it's I, I think he's regressed. And that's definitely, it's something you have to worry about because you had the number one overall pick in this past draft, you trade it away, and you end up getting a star wide receiver in DJ Moore with that pick. He's played okay, but I thought that Justin Fields, I do think Justin Fields needs to run the ball more. I don't think it, he's necessarily completely wrong in what he was saying as far as saying that, you know, he's playing robotic. Now, I do think that this idea of thinking less, playing more, I'd be very cautious on that because when you look at star quarterbacks, Hall of Famers, it's their ability to process information pre-snap and post-snap that make them great. And so I don't think that he should obviously just stop think i i think he shouldn't stop thinking and just go all instinct he does need to think but here's another thing jake he needs to figure out how to get rid of the ball he is by far the leader in sacks taken with four or more seconds to throw he's holding the ball for way way too long he needs to run more he does need to run more and it's, he said that his coaches were emphasizing he has to stay in the pocket, stay in the pocket, stay in the pocket. That's not what he is. You look at Jalen Hurts. He, he's still running the ball a little bit. But if you look at Lamar Jackson, who I think is a pretty good comp to Justin Fields, he's still running the ball quite a bit, even after that big contract. I think what the Bears need to do is look at what you see with Lamar Jackson currently, where he is throwing the ball. He's throwing the ball well. Now, granted, Justin Fields threw the ball well in college. That's a different game entirely. But I think, Jake, if they take what the Ravens are doing somewhat and just try and incorporate it, I think he'll have success. Now, you also wanted to talk about the defensive coordinator stepping away. But first, what are your thoughts on Justin Fields' comments? Oh, he is one of those athletic quarterbacks. He doesn't have a cannon of an arm, but he still has a pretty damn good arm. He is not seeing the field. It's You are right. I think he has regressed as well. 
If you look at last year, he at least saw the field to some extent. This year, it's like he's he's gun-shy. He is not pulling the trigger when he needs to, and he's just seeing wide-open players, and I think he's afraid he's going to get picked off or something, even though nobody's within a good portion. I just think he's seeing the worst-case scenario when it's a pretty good shot for a good chunk play. And you are right. He needs to see the field more and see the running lanes. I think the whole robotic comment is pretty accurate right now. You are, and also you are right on the comment that they need to look at what the Ravens are doing or even the Eagles. I think looking at those two offenses and how they do their design quarterback runs or how they do things out of pocket with play action, I think they need to do a lot more of that. But... Fields needs to learn a few different things to even be an average quarterback. The fact that people were talking about him being a top five candidate in odds to win MVP this year, I never believed it. I didn't like it. I thought he still had a lot of work, even with DJ Moore. But on to wanting to, me wanting to talk about the defensive coordinator, I think that it's, it sucks for Allen Williams. I've heard nothing but great things about the guy, and... I haven't heard a single bad thing about him. I think that the whole FBI raid thing, bunch of bullshit. I think, I think big people on ESPN, big influencers on Twitter just need to shut up and let things take their course. A source close to Alan Williams did come out and say that he is stepping away for health reasons and for family reasons. We don't need to know more than that. This is his personal life, people. Let him live his life. If he comes back into the league, okay, awesome. I would love to see the guy get another chance. If he doesn't, I wish him the best, and I hope that he has a successful rest of his career and life. I want the guy to do good, and I want him to get figured out with what everything is going on with his personal life. The one thing that I kind of see flaring up is I think we're starting to see power struggle and things flare up in the Bears locker room, which I don't know how you see it or how you feel about that. I think that it could lead to Eberflus getting fired by the end of the year. Well, I think that is definitely a possibility, especially with you have Justin Fields, I believe now is five and 22. Now, I think this idea of the coach and the GM trying to play the we didn't draft him, he's not our guy card, doesn't help when your defense is getting torched by Baker Mayfield, who I will say he's playing very well. You and I both had them pegged, I think, for fourth place in the division, and he is definitely stepped up. But at the same time, Matt Eberflus, you are a defensive head coach, and you're taking over defensive play calling now with Allen Williams stepping back. Now, here's the thing. If this does continue, if they continue to lose, because, Jake, they're 0-2 now, I definitely could see 0-3 in the future. You're playing the defending champs. You're playing the Chiefs this next week. I look at this, and I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility in Eberflus potentially getting canned, because you look at Luke Getze, he's called an okay system with Justin Fields going back to last year. But I think when I look at the Bears, 
there's an old saying that you can lose two games in a row, but if you lose three games in a row, you lose the locker room. And I do think that Matt Eberflus is very, very close to that. You cannot lose against the Chiefs or you at least have to make it competitive. You have to make it look like you can hang somewhat with the defending champs. Because if you can't, then it's going to be a long season because you don't have any, you don't really have many gimmies. You really don't. I think at the end of the day, I think Ben Johnson could be a really good coaching candidate if Ibrahim is out at, by the end of the year. Could you imagine Ben Johnson with Fields or whatever quarterback they draft next year if they do draft a quarterback? Oh, that is not going to be pretty for deposing defenses. It's speculative, but I love the fit. But kind of moving on to Thursday night football. I think that you have to look at the Giants put up a good effort, but they lost it in the fourth quarter at that point. Daniel Jones didn't do God all, but I will give Giants fans one solemn. He only gave up two sacks to a top three pass rushing unit. So he did something good. <laughs> yeah, you, that, you did something. I look at this past or this Thursday night game that happened yesterday from when we were recording this. And I watched this game fully and Brock Purdy's legit. I think that it's not out of the realm of possibility to consider him a top 10, top 12 quarterback. Now you can say that they're playing, you know, a little conservative. They're not taking too many shots and he missed some shots that definitely could have led to this being an absolute bloodbath. But Kyle Shanahan also said, he made some throws that I didn't even see, that I didn't even think were there. And so that lets us know that Brock Purdy's not afraid to let it rip. And this run game, when you can run the ball 39 times and throw it 37, and you can run it as well as they did, 39 carries, 141 yards, and a touchdown. McCaffrey was playing really well. Debo just absolutely torched this secondary. Six catches for 129 and a touchdown. And we even had a George Kittle sighting after two games, seven catches, 90 yards. He led the team in receptions. My fantasy team definitely is happy about that because I start him. But yeah, you only gave up two sacks, which is massive. But Jake, you look at the Giants and Daniel Jones, I think he needs to run a little bit more. He only ran two times for five yards. Now, granted, this defense was on him. They were hawking him well. They, they were, were they were absolutely hawking him. They hit him six times, even though they only sacked him twice. And that pick that he threw to Hafunga, it was a dangerous ball. And once that gets tipped up in the air, the defense has the advantage on that. And Hufunga is a ball hawk. The one thing that I wanted to bring up with the Giants, Jake, this Micah McFadden kid, he was making plays upon plays upon plays. I've I just kept seeing him and I'm just like, who's this dude? I've never even seen you before. And he was just making massive plays. He had four tackles for loss and 10 total tackles. He played very, very well. And that is at least one bright spot to this defense. I mean, cause to be honest, you didn't have too many. They did run the ball really well against you. And they, your secondary was barbecue chicken, but 
the Niners, I still have them. I, I have them at number two still, only because of the in the division, only because of the fact that I think what we saw from Seattle this past week against the Lions is what they really are, not what they are against the Rams, where you did have a game where Sean McVay has had three, four weeks to prep for it, so he could throw in any wrinkle he wanted. They just traded away Cam Akers, and they're moving forward with Kyron Williams. And so that's the thing. I still think that Seattle can split with the Niners, and they can they can win a couple games to steal away the division. I think it'll be close, but that's what I'm looking at, Jake. I think that the Niners definitely are the the top one of the top three teams. You have them, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. And then you have, I think, the Lions and the Seahawks in that slightly second tier. But Jake, Sam Fran, I mean, who are they playing this upcoming week? Week four, they Oh, God, they're going against the fucking Cardinals. Yeah, they're going to absolutely annihilate the Cardinals, a team who is wanting to lose. So I don't really expect anything to happen there, but they do have a tough test week five against, I believe it's the Cowboys, and that's going to be the litmus test. That's going to be the test where you have to figure out who's the top dog, who's the team that you look at in this conference and it is Sunday night football. They are in San Francisco. So I definitely expect a heavy San Fran crowd, even though there's a lot of Cowboys fans in San Fran because their training camp is in Oxnard. So in California, but Jake moving on to our eyes on five for week three, who's your first team? Or what's your first game? My first game is going to be the Falcons and Lions. I think that the upstart Falcons are showing that they have a bit of more oomph and guts than most people would have thought. Now, I had them as winning the division for this year, but I think this is going to be their first, like, alpha team. They did play the Packer, my Packers. They won by one point. Their defense did really good, and I think I want to see how they do against, again, Ben Johnson-led offense and a top three, top five O-line in the league. I think the Lions line is better than the Packers line, and that's saying something. I think the Lions are going to have to show up with Jameer Gibbs a little bit more in the passing game because I really don't know who, what linebackers are going to be covering Jameer in the pass game. I think they're going to be able to stop the run at a decent shot if they do a lot of inside zone. Outside zone, that's where I think the Lions are going to lean heavily. I think the Falcons are going to run a lot of inside zone. Ritter probably will throw 25 or 30 passes, maybe, if the run game doesn't get them. And I think Bichon's going to go over 100 rushing. Oh, I think that's going to be a pretty easy one to look at. Jake, it looks like... We're probably going to see uh, Taylor Decker out, Kirby Joseph out, Emmanuel Mosley, Hela Pulavati Vitae, and CJ Gardner Johnson's now on injured reserve, which I think is a massive loss. He had been playing incredibly well through these first two games. He was absolutely, he killed it 
opening night against the Chiefs. I like this game. Lions are favored by three. I, this is a game I would probably stay away from because as far as the Falcons go, they've only played, they played a Bryce Young Panthers team in his first start. He's a rookie. I'm not going to expect too much from that. And then, like you said, they only beat your Packers by one point. And I look at that game, Jordan Love, it's what? I think his fourth, fifth start. So they, fifth start. they so they've played younger quarterbacks. Now you're playing a quarterback in Jared Goff, who is far more experienced. Now the pick that he had against my Seahawks, his interception streak or interception list streak that he was on is ended. But I think when I look at this game, I like the Lions a little bit more than the Falcons because I look at the Falcons and this is a young team. Even with Bijan, if he does go over 100, I think Jameer Gibbs, those outside runs, I think he's going to be able to get on the edge. I wouldn't be surprised if he breaks one and if Bijan also breaks one. I think they can match each other. And so it comes down to quarterbacks. I like Jared Goff far more than Desmond Ritter to be able to torch a Falcon secondary that is okay. But Jake, moving on to my first game, I'm going to be keeping an eye on Saints Packers. Your Packers, Jake, they're one and one, and this is their first home game. Now, Derek Carr and the Saints, they've played, they've played okay, but... Right now, their leading rusher, Jake, is Taysom Hill with 79 yards. They need to get a run game going. Now, losing Jamal Williams for any significant amount of time is going to be brutal because he is your ground and pound, and he is your touchdown machine inside the goal line. So the onus is going to be on Derek Carr, who played, he didn't play all that great last week against on Monday Night Football against the Panthers. That Panthers defense, they did pretty well against him for the most part. When I look at this Saints team, you're still without Kamara for one more game. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot of dink and dunk with Olave and Michael Thomas. I don't, I don't doubt that they won't try and take a shot, but if you have Jair Alexander covering Chris Olave, I really like Jair's chances against him, even though Olave is fantastic. And then on the Packers side, Jake, Packers are favored by one here. I would actually take the Packers in this situation. Jordan Love, I want to see how he bounces back. He lost against the Falcons in a very close game. Looked, He looked pretty bad in the final few minutes. I definitely think that with some coaching, he's going to come back. I like the Packers in this situation because if you can get Christian Watson back, now you have a gaggle of injuries, but if you can get some of your guys back, if you can get back Christian Watson, if you have Romeo Dobbs at 100%, I think that this is a Saints secondary that outside of Marshawn Lattimore can be had. And if Aaron Jones is back too, I expect a heavy dose of the running game against the Saints. What do you think? Honestly, I'm a 
bit worried how my Packers offense is going to do against this Saints defense. This Saints defense has been a scary SOB unit. I mean, Cam Jordan is Cam Jordan. I think that he's going to be just like how he's always been. He's going to wreck the line a bit on that right side. You're going to need all your weapons for this game. I think DeMario in the middle of that Saints defense is going to be calling a hell of a game. And I think he is going to stop the Jones in coverage. If not him, I like how their cornerbacks match up against my receivers because Paulson Adebo and Marshawn Lattimore as your outside guys with hopefully Watson is healthy and Dobbs as well. I, I'm i going to be looking for a lot of Jaden Reed and Luke Musgrave in this game. I'm going to look for the Rooks because I think your outside options are going to be taken away. That's how I, much faith I have in this Saints defense. I definitely think that you're going to be wanting to target tight ends. You're right. Luke Musgrave, definitely a player to keep an eye on. As you're right, the Saints defense, it can be scary. But you also have to remember, though, Jake, the Saints defense played a Titans team that outside of Eric Henry is OK. And then again, they played a rookie Bryce Young who is shorter than I am at like five, nine. So I look at the Saints and while they do look scary, this is a Packers home game. So you know that that Lambeau crowd is going to be raucous. And while the Saints have played in noise before because of their dome, eh, it, it's not necessarily warm in Green Bay, Wisconsin, even in September. But Jake, going into your second game, what do you got? My second game is I'm going to be taking your bills for this week. I'm going to go bills and commanders. Ooh. I want to see what this kind of rejuvenated commanders team can go can do against their first massive challenge of the year in the bills i think that the bills are going to win this one not handily though like they did the raiders i think the commanders are going to give them a few sucker punches and show that hey we may not win but we can hang with some of the big dogs not great but we can at least hang i think that the run game is going to be stuffed with the commanders, so you're going to see a lot of Sam Howe throwing the ball. And with how it, injury and old that Bill's secondary is, I like Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin in this game, even Curtis Samuel. Being out Logan Thomas is going to hurt them a bit, though, in my opinion. I think so, too, because Logan Thomas, being a former quarterback and being a tight end, he sort of can still operate with a quarterback mind and he is able to examine the defense and sort of be able to run routes, find holes in the zone, things like that, especially against a Bill's defense, which I do think can be had in some forms. Now, granted, Matt Milano is a monster, so definitely have to worry about that. Now, Jake, Buffalo is favored by six in this game. This is a game I'd probably stay away from because I look at the Bills and I want to know what Bills team are we getting? Are we getting week one Bills where Josh Allen fell apart? 
or are we going to get week two Bills where they looked like the team that was on their way to the AFC Championship game with 13 seconds to go in the game? Now, the Commanders are an interesting team because they were losing to the Cardinals in week one before they stormed back, and then they escaped with a, a game against the Broncos where, let's be honest, refs, get some glasses. That was a clear P.I., on the two-point conversion. Other than that, Sam Howell, he is yet to lose a game, Jake, which is wild to me because you look at Sam Howell, he's not necessarily a crazy talented quarterback, but he's got a little bit of zip on his arm. He can move the ball okay. I think that it's gonna come down to this running game. Now, Brian Robinson, he didn't look great, but he actually played better than most people would probably imagine. And when it comes to the Commanders, this defense is pretty mighty. You have another defense. I think this could actually end up being a defensive struggle, Jake, if I'm being honest. Because this defense with Jonathan Allen, Dayron Payne, Montez Sweat, even Chase Young, who's not, he may not be completely what he was as a rookie but he's still solid i look at this team and i could see this coming down to a three four point game and being close in the fourth quarter provided that the bills as long as the bills play clean i think they could win it comfortably but i don't trust the bills to play a completely turnover free game I agree with you. I think Allen is probably going to at least throw one pick or at least do a fumble. I could see it being a defensive slugfest like you suggested. Easy. Yeah, and so now, but now, I have my second game. And my second game is going to be the game of the week on Fox. Bears taking on the Chiefs. And Jake, we touched on it earlier when we talked about the Bears. This is a game they're going to have to look competitive in at least competitive, if not win it. Kansas City is favored by 12 and a half. At one point, I think it was close to 14. Had some Bears money come in when you see a big double-digit spread like that. I would actually stay away from this game because it could very easily be a blowout. But then again, the Chiefs' defense is more the tail rather than this Chiefs' offense. This defense has played very well. You hold Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars to nine points. Now you can attribute some of that to just receivers not getting their feet down in the end zone, but that is on the defense a little bit. And so when I look at the Chiefs, can the offense now gel with the defense? Because I think if so, then Jake, that's going to be a scary, scary team. And then on the Bears side, it all eyes are going to be on Justin Fields. I don't care what the Bears defense does because I think Mahomes is going to Mahomes. Can Justin Fields play less robotic in his words? And can he get back to running the ball effectively? Can he get through his progressions of one, two, and then if nothing else is there to him, tuck it, run, and slide? He can't take too many hits against a Chiefs team that they can they can really get after your quarterback. You have Chris Jones back and he's going to go a hunting. And so he's going to. Oh yeah. And so that's going to be what my eyes are on. 
this Chiefs defense versus Justin Fields' legs, Jake? I agree. I think that depending on how Justin Fields does with the running ability he has, I think it's still going to be a blowout. I have the Chiefs winning this handily by probably more than what the 12.5 spread is. I have them winning by two touchdowns. I think that the offense for the Chiefs is going to do handily and do a lot of work on the defense for the Bears. I don't see anybody being able to cover Kelsey and having to deal with Mahomes and his alien type abilities. I don't like it. And I, even with Justin Fields' rushing ability, I think you're going to see Nick Bolton or Leo Chanel be quarterback spying him a lot. He probably won't do a lot in this game. It's going to be very interesting to see because, yeah, you'll probably have to put a spy on him because I think he will be looking to escape the pocket early and often. But, Jake, moving into our fifth and final game, I think that we have to keep an eye on Rams-Bengals Monday Night Football. Bengals favored by three. I would be hammering the Rams plus three. Because for the Bengals, I don't know if Burrow plays. I don't think he should because you look, Jake, we looked at the end of that Ravens Bengals game. Burrow was visibly limping. And when it comes to a calf injury, that is an injury that can linger. That is not an injury that just goes away. So I would be very worried about that. And if he doesn't play, Jake, you're starting Jake Browning. I, d- <laughs> yeah. Former University of Washington quarterback, I did watch him a little bit in college, and he was uninspiring at best. Now, the Rams, I think that we might have slept on the Rams here, Jake, because Stafford has been pretty solid through the air. Now, he did have those two interceptions against the Niners in the second half, which I think was they were clearly the difference in the game because they were pushing the Niners. They definitely were pushing the Niners. And my eyes are going to be on, now that Cam Akers is gone, how will Kyron Williams do with now basically the full workload? And he's played very well in in these first two games. I think he's had two touchdowns in both games of this year. And then we got to also keep an eye on our beautiful, beautiful fantasy darling, Puka Nakua. He's got 25 catches in two games, Jake, which is more than any receiver, I think any rookie in NFL history. And this is a nice little nugget. When it comes to a day three pick, Puka Nakua has more catches in these first two games than any other day three rookie pick has in four games in their first four games which is letting you know that Stafford absolutely trusts Puka Nakua that is his guy now when Cooper Cup comes back I think he's probably going to be about a game or two away a week or two away from coming back but I think Puka Nakua is here to stay he is getting a ton of targets and he's making a ton of catches. But I would keep an eye, Jake, on Tutu Atwell. 
They've been using a lot of motion to scheme him open because of how small he is. But because of how fast he is and the motion that they use, he's able to get a free release pretty much every single time. I think I would be keeping an eye on Tutu Atwell against this Bengal secondary who, like we've mentioned before, lost both of their starting safeties in free agency this year. So, Jake, I think the Rams win this outright. If you're the Bengals, you can't start 0-3. Oh, hell no. If the Bengals start 0-3, it's pretty much a death sentence for their playoff hopes. And yes, the Bengals are like a second-half type team, but starting 0-3, it's damn nigh impossible to make the playoffs at that point, especially in how the AFC and the division you are in. I think Puka is going to do a really good... I think we're going to see a lot of Chidubie Wuzie on him. Who you have cover Tutu Atwell? I have no idea. Pretty much, I think we're going to see Aaron Donald wreck the ever-loving hell out of this interior. I think whoever is starting for the Bengals, get the flowers and the gravestone ready. They're going to get hit and hit often. At the very and least, they're going, to be running, they're going to be running for their life. And cue the Undertaker theme music because we're going to be going to a funeral, Jake, I think. You better break oh, out your suit. I think Burrow needs to sit this game out like we talked earlier. Just stay, just start browning. Let the guy... I don't want him to get killed, but would you rather have Jake Browning or Joe Burrow get killed? Pretty sure 99.9% .9 of people are going to say Browning. Basically anyone not Jake Browning and Jake Browning's family would say Jake Browning. And but, kind of pushing the button a little bit, you're just hoping that this game does good for you because you have both Kyron and Puka on your fantasy team. That's true. I did pick up Kyron Williams because waiver wire priority was in my favor and I picked up Puka Nakua last week and oh that 30 points was beautiful but Jake moving into our final segment which we call hive mind Jake I think that the topic that the media is getting pretty damn accurate right now I think it has to be that Micah Parsons is definitely making a case for MVP you look at how he has played just with your eye test he has been a monster now obviously it's a quarterback award we get it it's one of those things that you might as well call it mvq most valuable quarterback because it's usually whoever the quarterback is with the team with the best record they usually win it and i think it's outdated and overdone and honestly i think at this point you should make it you should have MVP and MOP most outstanding player because offensive player of the year and defensive player of the year, while they are kind of that, it's not really the same. And so when I look at this though, Jake, I think Micah Parsons, if he can keep up the pace that he's on, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Like some people in the media are saying he could be the third player after Alan Page and Lawrence Taylor to win MVP. I can see where you're coming from. With how the league is, I he's going to have to break the sack record for that to happen. Which, with how he's playing, 
hell, anything's possible with Micah Parsons, especially since he's now a full-time pass rusher. Thank you, Dan Quinn. I think you need to have him 20 sacks as a min. If he can get the sack record or at least tie it, he has some. He has a good chance. I think he's definitely going to get some MVP voting. I don't think he's going to win it, though, because like you said, it's it's a quarterback-driven league. I also agree with you that it it is outdated. I one piece of information that I heard today that you might like about might increase his MVP odds. He has been practicing with the tight ends. Oh, I think that that's actually I don't doubt that at all. Now he is tied for the he is tied in sacks on his team with Oso Digizua, but you also have to think about this though, Jake with Micah Parsons and how he has been playing. Micah Parsons, when I look at, I think what it comes down to, obviously you have to have stats, but I do think eye test does play a role because we look at Jalen Hurts and you go back to how he played last year when it looked like he was going to win the MVP. Yes, they finished, I believe it was, what, 14 and three, but something along there. But Jake, you think about that, right? Patrick Mahomes arguably had better stats, but it was because of how Jalen Hurts was looking and how, as well as the results with the record. I think that with how this team is constructed and how conservative this offense is, I think that Micah Parsons, he's going to be able to be an absolute game wrecker and then be able to play himself he's going to be able to play his way into mvp consideration because right now to a cool down for a week tyreek hill who i had as my dark horse he cooled down quite a bit i don't think now they're playing the broncos i like the dolphins odds to absolutely torch that defense which is lacking but jake micah parsons i don't i think this is one of the few years he has a chance, and that's why I think it's definitely one of those things that the media, I know they've been blowing a little bit out of proportion, but through these first two games, I would absolutely take him over any of the quarterbacks I've seen. Oh, agreed. And I actually am looking up his stats so far. He actually finished eighth in MVP voting last year. I think that... He already has six quarterback hits in two games. His highest he ever had was his rookie year at 30. In two games, he has 20% of his of his career high. Three sacks in two games. Okay, he's looking good. Four TFLs in two games. He is averaging two TFLs a game. If he hits the mid to high 20s, oh shit. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. The thing I find interesting though on ESPN's own website... They have like their own like regular season and projected stats. They yeah. have him projected to finish with 25 and a half sacks, nine forced fumbles, and nine pass defendants. And pff, he'll probably get a pick or two anyway, just because Dan Quinn's going to do some Dan Quinn stuff and throw him into coverage just to say, you know what? Screw you. Micah, pick it off. Yeah, I could see them operating some zone blitz concepts and having Micah drop back in coverage, probably sneak off a screen and who knows, maybe return it for six. And Jake, you have to realize also 
in that jet or in the Jets game, if the guy who was blocking for Dalvin Cook doesn't bump Micah with his shin, Micah would have had a scoop and score. He ran it all the way back for six, which Easy. I think would have blown everything out of proportion even more. But I think that is one of the few things that I look at as far as the media goes. And that's why I think it is our hive mind take of this week. But Jake, moving into our final thoughts, I thought we would do something different this time around. And rather than give our take on this upcoming week three, I think it would be interesting if we took a look at Thursday night football week four, where you have a divisional matchup in the NFC North, you have Detroit and Green Bay. Now, that is going to be a spicy game, which sadly, we don't get very many of those when we look at Thursday Night Football. For the most part, they are pretty lackluster, just like we had this past Thursday night. But Jake, looking ahead to that game, what are you going to be looking for if the Lions win or if the Packers win? If the Lions are going to win this game, they're going to need Aiden Hutchinson to wreck the game. I think that the Packers' offensive weapons are better suited against the defensive weapons that the Lions have in their secondary and their linebacking core. So uh, they have a better overall offense, in my opinion, for weapons at least. O-line, you could argue either or. I think the Lions have a slightly better, but I think Packers have more pass rushers, and they have the best pass rusher out of the group in Rashawn Gary. I think the Lions are going to have to win at the win of the trenches more than ever for this game, and Love is going to have to get the ball out quick if that's the case. But you're going to see... A lot of inside zone because I don't trust the Lions interior defensive line to stop this type of run, especially with the type of guards and centers the Packers have. That's very fair. I I think this game, you could very well be looking at both of these teams at two and one with the Lions beating the Falcons and the Packers beating the Saints. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Now, I think that this is a very, very key divisional matchup, regardless of who's entering where, because these divisional games basically count as a game and a half. Now, I think that as far as who would need this game more, I would definitely say that the Packers, because you need to be able to instill more confidence in Jordan Love. He is young, and this is his first full year of starting. And you need to figure out what you have. Now, hopefully, if all goes well, you have Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs for this game. But, Jake, I'm going to be keeping my eyes more on the Lions in this case because I think that the Lions, if they beat the Falcons, they're going to be 2-1. and And you best believe that Dan Campbell is going to have them playing with their hair on fire. Because what after beating the Chiefs opening night and then losing in overtime to the Seahawks, he can go to his team and say, guys, we were right there. We were a coin toss away from beating the Seahawks. If they can beat the Falcons, 
I really like the Lions to move to go into Green Bay and potentially beat them. I look at this game. I think this is probably going to be one of the most important games. And Jake, we're only going to be in week four. Mm-hmm. This is definitely going to be one of the biggest games of the year for both these teams because you are right. It's an interdivision game, and anybody could win this division except for the Bears. Yeah, that's. I think that's basically established at this point. But anyway, that is going to do it for episode four of Run Past the Brain Cell. Make sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And for Jake Miller, I'm Adam Skirko. We'll see you next time. Take care. Take it easy.